Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. We've been talking about a little bit of the promised land. And in John 15, it says that if we abide in him and his words abide in us, in us, then anything we ask for, he'll do it for us. And then a little further down, it says the way we abide in him is we abide in his love. That's how you abide in God is you abide in his love for you and let his words abide in you. Well, we all think, you know, you don't think in words. When you think, it's very rarely in words. It's, you don't see letters in your mind. You see pictures. And if we yield that part of ourselves to God, he will, he influences us and we can use it to minister to other people. And it's very simple. And it's just a matter of kind of stepping out and being willing to minister to people. You know, that doesn't mean that you're in the grocery line the next time you walk up and you say, hey, I saw a dog. Does that mean anything to you? You know, I mean, you, you pray, follow God, see how to minister to them. But in an environment like this, on you know, what we do on Thursdays, it's, it's a great place to practice. Because, you know, it says that we're to encourage each other <clears throat> talking about heaven. And we're to encourage each other talking about what eternity is like. And Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, there's, there's an element of what we think is only reserved for the afterlife that we can experience here. I mean, he said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. But we, you know, we're like the children of Israel. God's made all these incredible promises to us, but... Through our thoughts, we disqualify ourselves. We magnify the difficult situations. We magnify the, we magnify the problem. I mean, we do. We are more convinced of what we can see physically than what God says is true eternally. We're like a bunch of scientists running around. Just, oh God, well, I'll believe it if you show me. Well, you know, that's not really what he said. Trust is a matter of faith, and you can't always see that. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Trusting God is the evidence of the things that you can't see. <clears throat> it's a big deal to stay in trust to him, toward him. You know, when the children of Israel were doing circles in the desert and mumbling and grumbling and complaining, they couldn't go into the promised land. They, they couldn't. They limited God, it says. It, I mean, it doesn't even say that God withheld it from them. It says they limited where he could lead them. And, I, you know, I like looking back at, at the progress of the children of Israel and relate it to where we are with the kingdom because they made it. They, they finally made it. You know, they made it. They crossed Jordan. They made it into the land. They went into all the other lands. They cleaned it out of all the enemies. And they possessed the land that God had promised them. We are in the promised land as well. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is in you. You know, don't, don't say who's going to go up and bring it down or who's going to go down and bring it up. Jesus has brought the kingdom near. 
We are just like the children of Israel. We are in the promised land. Our promised land is, is the kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. Now, you know, one day when he comes back, we're going to see the full revelation, the full manifestation of what that kingdom is supposed to look like on this planet. But we're connected to it now. We're ambassadors of Christ. You know, we function in how, how heaven works here. And so you look at, let's look at a couple of scriptures here. I just kind of want to look at what the children of Israel did because I really just have one point, but it kind of takes a minute to get there. If we look at Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, and I'm, going to, I'm just going to read uh, something out of Revelation as you're flipping over Hebrews 11, but I just wanted to see, I want you to see specifically something in Hebrews. But in Revelation 21, starting in 4, it says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I mean, that's, that's the promise. That's what once whatever happens needs to happen or whatever needs to happen, happens, and we cross over into our eternal state of existence, that's what it's going to be like. No pain, no sorrow, no tears. And, 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 I, and I, I love that Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we can experience as much of that now as we can connect to. We don't have the full manifestation of it. This is not the completeness of the kingdom, obviously, but we can have some of what God promises as much as we're willing to believe for, I think. That's why all his promises are yes. And it's a matter of where we go with it in our heart. In Hebrews 11, did I tell you the chapter? All right. Starting in verse 8. I'm going to read 8 through 10. It says, by an act of faith... And, and this is important. It's by an act of faith. Abraham said yes to God's call. I mean, you could just sit down and think about that for a while. An act of faith, Abraham said yes. You know, do we say, look at him, Johnny on the spot. Do, I mean, we say yes because, you know, we, we ask for proof before we'll say yes. Many times it's like, you know what? Well, I'll do it if you do this. I'll say yes if you do this. If that person comes over here and that person can then do that and this car shows up and parks at this angle right here, then I'll do it. I mean, you know, we put it, we, <laughs> don't we? I mean, seriously. By faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him. Lived as a stranger, campaigning in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real eternal foundations. The city designed and built by God. Man, I, don't, I, I love that. 
absolutely love that. There's so much in that. I'm reading New King James. That's probably King James. It's really close. But the things that stand out to me here is that he didn't know where he was going. He didn't even know what it looked like. He didn't know what it was supposed to, what he was supposed to do when he got there even. He just knew God has made me a promise. God has called me into the promised land. It's a land. Let me read what, the, let me read what this promised land looks like. This is Deuteronomy 6. So shall it be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out of wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, When you have eaten and are full, then be aware, lest you forget that the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. See, this is what Abraham knew. He was looking for the city of rest. Abraham trusted and just walked, took off, following a promise. And back up in Hebrews, it says that Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city. Now, how do you do that? Keep your eye on something that you can't see. It's a matter of the heart. It's what you think on. It's what you're focused on. Because if you look at what you can see, you'll be disappointed. It will never fulfill. What you can see never fulfills, never completes the promise that God has made to you. And the warning we have at the end of Deuteronomy 6 is once you do see it, you know, don't forget. In fact, what he's talking about is if you want to see this land, if you want to see these promises that God has made to you, how many of you have promises that you feel like God has made to you that you haven't seen yet? He says, all right, I'm going to give you a warning. Don't forget that God brought you out of Egypt. Don't forget of the last deliverance that you experienced. Don't forget the last miracle you saw in your life. Don't forget the last blessing that you had. Don't forget what God has done for you. That's what kept the children of Israel wandering around in the desert, complaining they were, they were wanting something physical that, to God, that for God to do for them. And God said, look, no, trust me, guys. You don't want dead birds. Trust me. Just keep moving. And I've got this place over here that's got houses full of stuff you didn't put in there, and it's all good. Man, we so limit him. Be, I'm just going to read this. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts. Second Chronicles 16, 9. See, this is, this is where we are. This, this is our God. The promise that we have is as a result of the cross 
that God is no longer angry with us. God is no longer seeking to rebuke us. God is no longer seeking to judge. Now, there's an end-time judgment that's going to happen. But under the new covenant, under the blood of the Lamb, God is not seeking to exact punishment on you for your sin because that's what Jesus took for you. And so this is the attitude that God has toward us. Second Chronicles 16, 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. In this you have done foolishly, therefore, from now on you shall have wars. What he's saying is you haven't kept your heart perfect toward him, so you're going to see war. Now what does perfect mean? In your mind, you know, don't answer out loud, but let me ask you, in your mind when you hear the word keeping your heart perfect toward him, does that have to do with your works? Does that have to do with your efforts in pleasing him? Does that have to do with you keeping some type of law to qualify for blessing? Because that's not what the definition means. When it says keep when it says that he, he, uh, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect, that word perfect means at peace. It means safe, peaceful, whole, and complete. That's the battle. Is our heart at peace toward him? If it's not, you're going to have war. Now, God's not going to send war on you. It's just the result. When your heart is at peace toward God, you are hearing Him. You are being led and guided by Him. You are in the place of trust. You are aware that you are being led into this promised land and God is going before you. He keeps you at perfect peace. You experience those blessings. Now, you know, it's difficult. There's this fine line because it's not, I mean, obedience follows peace. Obedience comes because we know that God loves us and we want to love him. We want to please him. We want to walk worthy of the sacrifice of Christ. So you walk the straight line. You, you obey God. But it's not obedience first any longer. It's like it's been turned around. Now, under the new covenant, we obey because he loves us. Under the old, you had to obey to prove your love. Well, under the new covenant, that's grace. It says, what is it? Law, what is it? Came by Moses. Yeah, grace and truth came by Jesus. So we are under a covenant of grace, and the way grace works is love acts first. We know that God loves us, so we can love Him, which produces obedience. So it's not like we get rewarded for these things. It's not like we've got to do everything right and, and, and do keeping our heart at peace toward Him to qualify. It's just He's already blessed us. And so as we stay in peace toward him, we see the blessing. We walk into the blessing. You can find those places. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the new covenant. And I'm telling you, if you want to understand God, 
look at Jesus. There is a major difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. As a matter of fact, the Old Covenant is gone. It's not obsolete. It's not done away with. God didn't tear two-thirds of the Bible out and throw it away. It's not that you're disregarding the Old Covenant. You're not demasculating the Father by not looking at the Old Covenant to, to understand the character of God. It's No. The New Covenant is the fulfillment of the Old Covenant. Jesus fulfilled the law. Once you have the real thing, you no longer need the type and shadow. Why do we get it mixed up? Well, we're taught that way. I think we get it mixed up because we're continually taught that way. You know, so many people still focus on a mixed covenant message. But I, I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's different for everybody. The, the bottom, probably the bottom line of why we get it is because we're so works righteousness minded that we feel like God, there's no way God can just bless me freely. The blood of Christ isn't that. Here's, here's the answer. I think it's because by and large, people don't understand the main thing that should be understood. And that is who we are in him and what happened at the cross. We move beyond the cross. You, you, I know you got something rolling around there. Throw in what you were thinking. I'm just going to let you answer that question. <laughs> <clears throat> I think it's, you know, it's, 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 and, you know, not to step on people's toes, but it's, we, we, we don't have a full understanding of what happened at the cross. He didn't just get our ticket punched to go to heaven. Isaiah 53. He bore our sorrows and our sicknesses. The judgment needful for us to gain peace with God was on him. He fulfilled the requirements of the righteousness of the law and then turned around and gave us that free gift of righteousness. You know, all those 633 laws that they had to keep under the old covenant to be qualified as righteousness, Jesus kept them all. And then what he did is offered himself up as a sacrifice on that cross for all the sin that was broken, the transgressions that were broken under that old covenant, took the punishment on him, ascended to heaven, received righteousness because he was that perfect sacrifice and the fulfillment of the law. And then he said, okay, I did it for you here. You can have it freely. All that stuff that you used to have to do to get me to bless you, I've fulfilled it. And I give you my righteousness freely. As well as our future sins, too. Yeah. Now, if you stay in sin, you'll, it, you know, this is not a license to sin. Just to make that clear, it's, it's, we're forgiven. Nothing can separate us from God, but this is not a license to sin. Sin kills. Sin destroys. And sin may eventually make you backslide to the degree, to the degree that you end up in hell. You can know that you're righteous and blow 
receiving the free blessing from God because you're so guilt-ridden and shameful in sin that you don't let God bless you. See, it is true that sin can keep God from blessing you, but it's not God making the decision to withhold blessing from you because you sinned. It's us not being confident toward Him, limiting what He can do through us. I mean, there are such subtleties in understanding the covenant of grace that if we can get them, man, it's very liberating. So, let's look at Joshua. I didn't put these in my notes for some reason. Joshua 21. This will be the last scripture we look at. Joshua 21, 43. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he swore to give unto their fathers. Another translation says, And God gave to Israel all the land which he promised them. He did it. And they, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. They were there. They were living in the promised land. Verse 44, And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he swore unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel all came to pass. Oh my God. Amen and amen. That's old covenant. God made, he fulfilled every promise that he made to them. They weren't righteous. They weren't holy. The blood of Christ had not yet been spilled for these people. All they did was kept going. They just stayed in faith toward God. And I love it because so many times, if you read through Joshua, you keep seeing all these stories where Joshua would tell these people, all right, now you go over here and take this land. This is your inheritance over here. Go over here and take this land. They would go, they'd come back and they'd say, there's giants over there, too big. To receive that promise that God has given us there's something that's too big that I can't handle over there, keeping me from that promise. That giant over there, it's bigger than what I think God promised me. Ephraim and Manasseh came back and they said, those guys are too strong for us because they have iron chariots. I mean, God had rained down hailstones and killed more of the enemy than the children of Israel killed in a particular battle. Another place, he sent hornets in, hornets, and drove out the enemy so that his children could take the land. And they're standing there going, man, I'll tell you what, those guys, I don't like the kind of car they drive. The car they drive is just too much for us to go over there and possess that land. The cars over there are really scaring me. I think it's too big for what God has promised me. You know, what limits us from experiencing the promise of God? We're, we're in the promised land. We're joined to the kingdom of God. We have been raised with Christ and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. By promise, you're there. 
the only thing that keeps us from taking the land that God has promised us is what we think is too big in our lives. The difficulties that we're facing right now is what keeps us from the promised land. Cancer, this is too much. I can't, I can't beat this. I'm going through divorce. You know, this is just too much for me. Well, it's not too much for God. I've lost a loved one, a loved one and I, it's just too difficult to make it. You know, what, whatever it is that's too big for us right now, God has made you a promise of long life and the same promises that he made. You will reap benefits of which you didn't work for because we're his children. So what is it that's too big for us? I mean, what is it that we're looking at thinking <clears throat> it's too big? That's my excuse for not going into the land. And then do whatever it takes to trust God in that situation. Stay faithful. Stay hopeful. Remember the last time God delivered you. Remember all the things that you've seen him do in your life. And it's no different from that thing that's in front of you. It's just that things that are in front of you look bigger than things that are behind you. It's not a problem for God. He has made you a promise. Amen. Father, thank you for your promise to us. God, thank you that you've given us this written record that we can look back of how you've delivered your family, your children for thousands of years. Thousands and thousands of years you have remained faithful, God. Even a complaining, idolatrous, sinful nation it says that you gave them every promise that you made to them. How much more us under the new covenant, having been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, are you seeking, your eyes are going to and fro, seeking who you can show yourself strong on their behalf. For your glory, God. Not because we're some amazing things, just that we're your children. God, we repent for the fear that we've stayed in. We change our minds. We turn away from those things that we magnify more than you. Those things that we've let us, that those things that we've let keep us in bondage, those fears that we just rehearse over and over and over. God, you've made us a promise. Your promise is that all of your promises are yes and amen. I mean, think about that for a minute. That one scripture, all the promises are yes and amen for you. Any promise that God has ever made anybody is yes for you. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us the Father. 
for showing us exactly what the Father is like. Jesus, you are the exact representation of the invisible God. There is no condemnation. Only hope and promise.